Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Daily Do-Rag. So, uh, this is my first one in a while, so y'all, I am a little rusty, and there will be a whole lot of editing after this one, because <laughs> I haven't done this in a long time, um, thanks to COVID. Um, so, everybody, welcome. My guest, you're not new, so therefore I can't say you. <laughs> so, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is TJ Williams. Uh, I'm sure, well, most of y'all listening probably kind of know me from somewhere. This is true. Uh, but I attend the University of Louisville, mechanical engineering student. Uh, I currently work for GE. Big money. No. (laughs) Not, not yet. We're, We're trying to get there one day, maybe, hopefully so. But it's nice to be here again. Nice to be speaking on important issues again in our Durex. Mm. Okay, because we both had Durex on right now. <laughs> mm. Okay, so y'all, TJ and I have, well, okay, for those of you who don't know, mm. sorry, I'm eating something. For those of you who don't know, um, there have been 41 now days of straight protests here in Louisville, Kentucky. And I think you've been a part of all 41 days. Honestly, at this point, it feels, I was about to it say, feels yeah. like 50, um, 60. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when I finally saw the number, I was like, huh, only 41 days, huh? <laughs> but um, if you know anything about everything going on there's a whole bunch of civil unrest all across the country um and unfortunately there's not that many there's not news coverage has virtually stopped of the peaceful and i say peaceful for a reason protests um across the country but they are still going on like i said here in mobile for 41 straight days every people have been out there um protesting and demanding justice for the unjust killings killings of David Agate and Breonna Taylor. Um, On top of many, many others. Right. I was about to say, not even highlighting the the countless, countless others that have happened that um, have sparked outrage across the country. So, TJ, well, first, you tell me, what was your, uh, we can both divide like a council or whatever, uh, like, what was your first reaction of hearing the Breonna Taylor story? Um, Breonna Taylor, for me, the thing the thing about it is like, is the the impact like the first day of protests didn't actually start anywhere close to no. when her actual case like happened. She was killed. I'm sorry, cutting no. you off. She was murdered over a hundred days ago. So let's clarify that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, but the public unrest came directly after the murder of George Floyd. And that coupled with the officer report that came out stating that Breonna Taylor was killed in her sleep, knowing the officers had didn't do anything to like state that they were officers there coming for like a uh, an investigation and completely had the wrong house that they were even looking for. Mm-hmm. So because of this, like civil unrest became like widespread throughout the city of Louisville. And I know my first reaction to just hearing the case, honestly, I want to say like it was like complete outrage and everything. But at, at this point, like this is not this for a lot of us like that are out here protesting now. This was not anything new. No. 
for a lot for a lot of people the first couple of days it was like i can't believe something like this happened I, but i mean the funny not even funny but the realistic part of this is is that from 2016 and even before that like black people have been countlessly murdered and filmed while it happened yeah. uh multiple times so like this is nothing new for a lot of us so when i first read it it wasn't even like straight like outrage or like anger it was just like i it, it happens again like this is going to be another i honestly when i first started i thought this was just going to end up becoming another hashtag mm-hmm. and i'm happy that this has started a movement in louisville and has continued to to follow through with that uh image that we had of this being a movement and not just another hashtag yeah uh dead black body on the streets and i'm i am really really proud that this hasn't actually just become another hashtag and i i'm really glad because i know for me um much like you tj when i now okay going back to like when trayvon martin um was murdered um, I was in high school. I can't a year, but I remember I was in high school um, because I remember there was a lot going on, and they they had put actual they actually put a couple extra. We we had resource officers in our school, but they put up a, a couple extra police officers in our school because of some arguments that have hap- that had happened because of that. And I remember that case, and I remember just being enraged during that case. But I remember when. I first read about the Breonna Taylor case and that was when I was at home for COVID. I thought the same thing. I was like, hmm. You know, I was upset. I was saddened as usual because I'm saddened anytime I see um, one of our brothers and sisters being killed. But I also thought, I said, unfortunately, this will probably just be here today and then gone tomorrow. Because, you know, with social media, a lot of times, um, what's new, what's happening now, it changes on a daily basis. And so I definitely thought, okay, unfortunately, this will be something that will be news today and then they'll move on tomorrow. And so then when I got back to Louisville, that's when um, the George Floyd situation happened and that's when the protest started. And so I was like, okay, I was like, I gotta be out there, I gotta be out there. And then I know for me, what really fueled my fire was, the night David McAtee got murdered, um, I forgot who, I think it was Dennis, texted me, because most, all of my friends, like, not all of my friends, but a lot of my friends, I let them know when I get to the protest and when I leave the protest, because they hear, you know, you're hearing things on the news. A lot of my friends are, like, out of state, and so they're hearing different things on the news, and they're worried. <laughs> and so I let them know, like, hey, I'm down here, or hey, I made it home. And so that particular night, um, I didn't let my friends know when I made it home, but I, I did make it home. And so then one of my friends like called, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was Dennis. And he was worried because he was like, where are you? And I was like, why? I was like, I'm at home, sleep. And he was like, somebody just got murdered. And I was like, are you for real? And so the next morning I had a haircut appointment. My haircut appointment was at 11. I got up. I woke up mad early. I woke up at like eight o'clock just because. And so I read, I, that's, I got on Twitter and I started reading everything about the situation and um, him being murdered. And so I rolled down to 26 before I went to my haircut appointment. And I, I've never seen that. Uh, I've seen dead bodies, of course, 
but I, I've never seen someone dead in the street, just laying there. And it, it, it was almost like, I got so, I've never been more enraged in my entire life because it, it, it looked like a spectacle, it looked like a circus, you know? It, it, of course, there were plenty, I couldn't get super, super close. I got out of my car and like saw it and then got back in my car because I had to leave, I had to leave my car running. And so, um, and so, but it just looked like a spectacle. Like it, it, it just like looked- Like attraction. Exactly, you know, it was the National Guard, like around and, and guarding like the body and it was, a mass of people, of course, that had found out and came down there. And it was just... Why can't you pick the body? I was... Exactly. And I, I was looking at the time at this point. It was like 10 o'clock. And I, I looked at the time when Dennis initially texted me. 12 hours. I was like... What... And then what made me even more mad is I went, got my haircut, left my haircut, and his body was still out there. You know, um, so I know for me after that, I already knew I wanted to be involved, but I know for me after that, it was like, okay, you need to do everything you can to be involved. Um, so I guess from, I guess my question for you today is like, what like keeps you at this point now that things are like starting to die down a little bit, which is a travesty in itself. But um, what's keeping you like going out there and you know helping out and things? Um, for me specifically, I remember my first day I, I, I came out there. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I was scared because we came. I, I came with Alana uh, on Friday. We came. We had came there on Friday, and as soon as we I like stepped out of my car, you heard like the helicopter sirens just going off ahead of us, just and I was like, wow, this is like a real thing. Like this is not about to be like just like a. a a, a, like a small march mm-hmm. like there is like opposition to us being out here right mm-hmm. now and I remember that night so vividly just because I remember there I, I like carried a guy out that had just got tear gas like in his face like a, a big hefty he's just crying and to me like this 200 six foot one dude is like crying and I'm like this is just it looked like a war zone I've never seen Louisville yeah. turn into a war zone so like readily and horribly and it was just horrible to see what had become of the city that I grew up in so I, I knew from that day like I, I gotta be out here trying to do everything I can to make sure not only is it going like peacefully we stopping everything any kind of opposition that's keeping us from being able to speak the truth to be able to speak how we say how we feel like anything about that I remember there are days out there when we would be going around and every every time where I think like man I'm really tired or Every time I think like, man, I really don't want to be out here anymore. Something always happens yeah. and it just brings you back to like, nah, mm-hmm. this is why we're doing this. The day I was getting tired, I, I believe it was like the day right after, because we were protesting. Me and Jesse was protesting. We've been the out day before, no, I'm talking about <laughs> the day before my birthday. Oh Remember my that? When yes. we, was, we was late to my birthday <laughs> because we were out protesting. That day, we would, we, because me and Jesse, we would like to come out there and we'll, we'll be like trying to like stop cars as yeah. protesters mm-hmm. come into the streets and things like that. And this white man tried to run us over, oh just my like straight, God. like just Yo. ran through us, like as we're like standing in front of him, like there's lights on, everything. He sees us. Oh, that was the night we were on Eastern Park. That's right? what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
everybody was like going around and he just for some reason decided to like full speed try to like run through the protest and run us like completely over. Y'all, was, I ain't never been so mad in my life. I started punching his window. <laughs> I ain't never been so mad in my entire life. Like, how can you, how, how do you have so much hate in your heart to do something like to that? To run people over in a car. There's that video that went around about that white man, like, sitting in his car. He's like, this is how you handle these Black Lives, black lives Matter motherfuckers. Yeah. And then just ran right through us. And it's like, it's just stuff like that. Like, the last, the last, the last day that, that I came, I remember... Not the last day that I came, but it was another day that I was about to be like, man, I don't know. Maybe there's another thing that I mm-hmm. can do besides like coming out here and protesting. That day, that's when the shooting happened. Mm-hmm. And Jesse ended up coming like right at something. Like, oh, yeah. Every, every, mm-hmm. every time that something happens and it gets to the point where I think like I'm just not into it anymore. Or, like I, I've, I've had enough. I've had enough seeing like the death and destruction out of me because I'm not going to lie to y'all. It is very, very draining. Yes. But every time that I think like I've reached my limit, something happens and it just like clicks in my head again. It's like, bro, this is why we are out here right now. If there's if there's anything that we can do on any front, even if just like the few people are getting annoyed out of their day and researching why we are out here protesting, that is enough. Because the, the, even if it's slow, gradual change, any change is gonna be able to make not only Louisville mm-hmm. as a city better, but also the nation better. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. You know, any, any little thing helps because that was, um, that was the next thing for me was, okay, when I um, had started putting and like I said, TJ and I, we were laughing about it one day because this is the most we've seen each other ever. We have spent, <laughs> we have spent every single day <laughs> together. <laughs> and so, like, I know for me, like, when I first got out there and I was first protesting and everything like that, my next thought was, and you're right, whenever you have these thoughts, something always happens. Because my thought after maybe the fourth or fifth day of being out there protesting was, okay, what's next? Like, what can I do next? And the moment, literally, the day I thought that, the next day, they shut down that program. And so, um, and if you all don't know, so the West End in Louisville is considered a food desert. And there are only two Kroger's that service the whole um, West End. And so the story that was spun was that they looted the Kroger, that there was looting at the Kroger because of the protest. So they shut the Kroger down. That is not true. Um, They shut the Kroger down first. And then some things happened after that, which... My response to that is, what do you expect? Because we are sitting in it. We are because people also forget we still in a pandemic. We're sitting in a pandemic. I think I read the stat one time before. If I'm not mistaken, it's like it is some high number. It's like 50, 60 percent of the Western doesn't own cars or something like that. And if I'm not mistaken, at that point in time as well, the TARC system was down and not running. And so virtually, I, I remember telling my mom I was so upset. I was telling her, you are trying to starve these people. This is ridiculous. And so um, I got heavily involved with an organization called Feed the West. Well, no, it's called Change Today, Change Tomorrow. And they have a campaign called Feed the West and where um, they are bringing, they transport fresh food and um, snacks and just food, boxes and bags of food to people in need in the West End. And I've 
been involved with them ever since. Because you're right, anything, anything at this point, you know, helps. Honestly, that's like the best thing ever. Because even if people are out there probably saying, well, y'all have the access to like fast food or things like that. Those things aren't healthy. No. And they demoralize you. And they also have not only an effect on your physical state, but also your mental state as well. And that will like be able to like really bring a people down. Mm -hmm. That's the way of like oppression is if you're only feeding people garbage the entirety of their time, especially if their access to any kind of Mm -hmm. healthier foods is like taken into account. Um... Jesse's doing a thing right now. Uh, but from everything that I've really like seen out here, uh, the thing that always keeps making me come back is seeing like all the people that we've just like met out here that not only have been like uh, black people that are out here advocating, but just mm-hmm. black people out there that are like helping in any way they can. I've seen like old people come out here just preparing yeah, meals uh, to give out to people. I've seen people come out here getting people signed up to vote, mm-hmm. which me and Jesse were a part of. Yep, we were doing that too. It was a group of people that just like basically just like started uh, their own like movement just to get people signed up to vote. And it became a big thing. Um, we have people out here protesting documentation uh, mm-hmm. of like recent events that have happened. Which y'all don't know how, I'm sorry for cutting no, you off today. Y'all don't know how important um, that is. Now, every protest, there have been some ops out there. But y'all don't know how important it is um, for people being out there, like, live streaming and recording things that are going on. Because I remember when um, the protest first started, and there was so many lies being spun about what was going on. And even even now, you know, TJ, what was it? A week or two ago when, so a week or two ago, TJ and I, once again, were out there protesting. And I, it was the day of the children, the women and children's march, okay? And this is another thing. How, how evil do you have to be to tear gas children? I will never understand anything like that. But anyway, it was the day of the Women and Children's March. So in the 6th um, Street Park, which is um, which Breonna Taylor Park, which is where we've been every day, there were plenty of people, you know, that's where we've been meeting, so that's where the supplies was after, because they have now since destroyed it, but that's coming later in the conversation. Um, there was supplies, there was food, there was water, and then, like I said, that was the day of the Women and Children's March, so there was plenty of women and children out there. Police started marching, they tear-gassed some people over on 9th Street and were arresting people over on 9th Street, and then started marching their way down towards... Um, six feet. So we jumped up and were getting the kids, you know, up out of there. Um, we're getting the kids up out of there. And there were so many lies told about that day and so many, you know, untruths told about what happened. And so it's really important that there are people out there who are, you know, videotaping and we, we all have phones, you know, so that way you can dispel the, you know, the lies that are being told about what's going on there. Because they'll, like I said, we've been out there for 41 days straight. 39 of those 41 days were all completely peaceful. And the, the times that it was not peaceful, one 
had to do with a lot of people that weren't even actually from Louisville, don't live here. Mm-hmm. You know, they were bust in. And I know that for a fact, because that weekend that we came, that the protest started, like I said, I was coming back from here um, to Louisville um, from the COVID situation. And some of those, quote unquote, no, some of those people, I'm not even going to call them protesters. Some of those people who came here to cause trouble were staying in the same hotel as my mother. And so that's how I know that, you know, you you just came here to cause issues. So. And, and I don't, I don't want to say that, and Jesse is not saying that, it's to say like, that we've always been right as protesters. Like our movement itself, right. like the, the, the ability of mm-hmm. it and like the focus of it has always been like the right mm-hmm. thing. But that's not saying that everyone in it has always been doing the right, right. thing. Mm-hmm. But when those problems happen, especially if they're people that are one of our own, we've always been able to like rein them in, right. prevent anything from getting out of hand. Take care of it in-house. Whenever, any, whenever anything that you see really bad happens, it, and they are saying like there's violent protesters. I promise you, either it's a lie or it's somebody that was not from here. People right. that come down here every day and have been doing this for so long know what this movement means to the people that have been down there. Right, exactly. And they would never put this into jeopardy and jeopardize the movement like like what so many people are like going around saying that we have. Been. Right, exactly. Like any, like you just said, anytime there is some type of some type of issue um, that has been reported and everything like that and has gotten out of hand. Trust and believe it is not the protesters who have been down here every day because, like TJ said earlier, this situation is very grueling. It's very taxing on your mental and your physical health. Some people have had to deal with things out there that you wouldn't even imagine, you know? And so why would we... They're down there because they care. We're down there because we care. We won't change and we care about the people of this community. And so to just um, to minimize it as we're nothing more than people using this as an excuse to be violent, to me, is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. We know what you mean when y'all be saying thugs. Oh, God. When people call us thugs. I know what that really means. And, and, and my, <laughs> you know, and please give me more credit than, than that, you know, just to call me some thug and think that I, anyways, <laughs> anyway, anyway. So TJ, what, what would you suggest for somebody who now, um, who wants to, I guess, I don't like the term ally and that's a whole nother tangent, but what would you suggest for a ally to do at this point to try to help? I mean, for me, I think the thing that I want people to understand specifically, and if you're trying to be an ally to understand specifically, is that this movement is not going to be, I really don't think, something that's just going to be like something where you can do it like every weekend or do it like this needs to become a part of your life. Like Black Lives Matter has became a part of my life on top of like, like how COVID is. People Mm -hmm. have just became like, like. Uh, comfortable with COVID or not comfortable but like okay with COVID just being a part of our daily lives now like people understand like not all restaurants are going to be open you should be wearing a mask when you go outside like social distancing is now a thing Black Lives Matter should be just as important to you or more important as COVID is is happening to you It, it doesn't matter if you're not black it doesn't matter if you're white anything like this this 
police brutality is not only like a black problem. Mm. It disproportionately affects black people, but that other people are being killed as well. Right. And I that's why that and this is off on a tangent, but that's why I've always hated the term all lives matter. Ooh, because all lives matter. <laughs> no, all lives matter has never been stated when even when a white person was killed. No no nobody from the all lives matter movement wanted to come out there and say all lives matter on this. Black lives matter would come out there and say that about that. Black lives matter would come out and promote the, the systematic killing of not only black people but also the killing of the police of that police do to white hands to white children everything like that so it's not, i know when whenever people say all lives matter they're just saying it so they can say that black lives don't matter right exactly you're absolutely right i've never heard all lives matter as a general statement it is always used to negate someone saying black lives matter which I, I, my thing is, no one, no one ever, ever said that black lives matter more than bop, bop, bop. That's not, you know, why does us saying that we are human and we deserve to um, be treated with equal rights and everybody else, why does that always equate that we want more, we want this, we want that? We just want to be treated as equal human beings you know, walking around on this earth. It is never anything that we want. We want special privileges or we want more. Like, it, like we don't want to be, like, that video. Okay, I saw a video yesterday on Twitter of this these two women. Um, I forgot where they were here in Louisville. That were spat on and called the N-word and everything like that. Now, the boyfriend, the the girlfriend is the one who did it, and the boyfriend attacked one of the women. Though of course, you know, not a well, not a close, but you know, who called them the N-word and spat on them. They were white. And so it was these two black women. And um, so, of course, they were pissed because we're in a pandemic. Like, that is, first of all, spitting on somebody during a pandemic should be considered um, attempted murder. Like, people are dying in masses from COVID. I don't know what you have, you and you spitting on me. You know what I'm saying? And so then, of course, they were pissed. And so then um, the boyfriend attacks one of the women. Thank God a black man there beat <laughs> beat that white man's ass, you know, because there was security all around. And do you think they did anything? No. But had this had been like the other way around, the story would have been spun completely different. And then not only did I see that yesterday, then this morning I'm seeing in Indiana, Bloomington, Indiana, of a man that got attacked by this white mob and they tried to lynch him. How in God's name did that sound equal up under the law? I mean, even if we're going back to think about it, like two months ago, white people were going down in the streets protesting with guns over violently mass. over masks, over getting haircuts, over opening the country up for the pandemic that was already killing people. Right. They were arguing to open the, open the country up. Black people have another protest just a month later asking people to stop killing us. That was all we asked, was asking for the police to stop killing us. And treat us equally. We can't even get that. Why is it when the white people had their protests, they had guns and stuff out there? Okay. I never heard police officers worried about their safety when they came to that. Not once. I didn't see not one killing, shooting. But you go 20 blocks away from where the protests were and kill a man stating that you thought he had a gun when they were tongs in his hand. You know, how, how did that make any sense? 
you know. I don't understand how anybody can still be blind or like deaf to the problems that black people and any people of color are being faced with in this country at this point. This has been going on for 50, 60 years beyond that even, honestly. I was just talking about trying to write related to the civil rights movement mm. specifically. And yet, I still see people hitting the snooze button on this problem mm-hmm. and refusing to believe that this is a problem. Like, I watched Trevor Noah's uh, a video from Trevor Noah early today, and it was always like, why is video evidence not enough right. to prove to people that there is a problem? In any other situation, like we never get the same, we never get the same like problems the other way. Whenever it's like a black person stealing something, right. and it's on video, it's never like, well, maybe there was a, a change. Well, maybe he didn't see it like that. It's, it's always like, no, this is de- definitely what happened. So why is it when we're being killed? It's a problem. Right. Why is it when we're being hunted? It's a problem. Why is it when we are speaking our minds clearly, eloquently? People refuse to listen. People close their ears to these problems. And I... Let me stop. (laughs) And what's so crazy about all of this is that it almost seems like ever since um, the protests have started up, some of y'all are just emboldened and just are acting out worse than before, you know? Um, Because I think about... Well, one, like I said, that lynching situation, which is how anybody can justify actions like that, I will never understand. And let me put this PSA out. If you justify to, if you try to justify any actions like that to me, just please, for the love of God, don't ever speak to me again. But I think about actions if you have not heard. Um, So... hmm. Unfortunately, there was a tragic killing of a man named Tyler, who was a photographer who was out there marching with us and ripped to him. I hope his soul is resting in peace. And I pray for the um, peace of his family, the you know peace of mind for their family. But um, unfortunately, he was tragically killed here a couple of days ago um, at the Breonna Taylor Park by a... Was he homeless? He was a homeless man. Okay, by a homeless man. They call him Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And so the police use that as a mechanism, which I just think is absolutely evil. Use that as a tool, which I knew they, they were going to do, to try to shut down the protest, basically. Because like I said, um, at that park, we usually kept supplies water and food and all confiscated exactly they and people were staying out there as security like intent um to watch over the things and they you know we were down there every day and people were fellowshipping and you know they weren't doing anything and so after that situation the police came from what i heard from first um from eyewitness accounts was that they came with cranes, took everything, and then they put it in two dumpsters, but they only made one dumpster available to them. They could not, quote unquote, find the other dumpster. And so all that stuff um, from peaceful protesters, personal belongings, because it's not like these, a lot of the people, now there were some homeless people out there, but a lot of those people have homes. It's just, they, you know, were doing this for the movement. Personal belongings, gone. Just 
gone. Oh, never to be returned. Yes. Never to be returned. And they were told, these people were told that um, their stuff would be folded up and they would be able to come get it and, you know, and just, and all of it just gone. I'm confused specifically on the take. I just want to talk about that because I remember being there that day. Okay. And like being like right, not, I wasn't in front of the shooter, thank God, because I would be dead. But I was very, very close. And I'd, if he would have pointed his gun a little bit to the left, I would not be having this conversation with y'all right now. That day felt like one of the most hopeless days yeah. I had ever been down there at the park. Because as soon, as soon as the shooting happened, I remember it was widespread panic for a little mm-hmm. bit. We were just kind of running around. And what felt like 20 minutes, and I believe you asked anybody out there, 20 minutes, I've talked to police officers and they showed me, apparently it took them five minutes to come out there. Five minutes is still too long for you to hear gunshots outside of your home. Because mm-hmm. we, I need everybody to understand. Breonna Taylor Park is right next door. Like it is I, literally, oh, it is literally. A stone throw away from. From the police department. Yes. I don't care how long it took. It should not have taken police officers five minutes, any kind of time, in order to react to that. No. They should, if, it is a dangerous job. It is very dangerous. Oh yeah. You signed up for it. Mm-hmm. We did not. We did not sign up to be, to have to go through this every single day. We did not sign up to have to fight for our lives, fight for our freedom at this point in history, at this point in American history. Do your job. You should have been out there. And that should definitely could have prevented that. Because that man, that man was he was a good man. He did not deserve to be murdered in that kind of in that kind of senseless violence that could have been stopped. And on top of that, the way they handled it was so horrible. Oh, it was terrible. I got out there so I heard the gunshots in my car and I knew TJ was out there and I was coming down there to meet him. And I never whipped the Green Goblin so fast and and sprinted out someplace, you know, in my entire life, you know. And we were out there for, what, four more hours after that. And that whole, the whole handling of the situation was just terrible. Riot police showed up. Right. To move us off the... after they told us to get on the street because they of course moved us out the park and they wouldn't let people get their things and it, it was just so much going on what what's worse is that they admitted to having videos of us on the park yeah why do you need that thorough of an investigation why do you need to clean out the entire park if you already have video cameras of what's happening throughout the park because believe believe from that point on I, be, I believe, like, I went to about three or four different protests where immediately they, like, cornered us. Oh, for sure. They were out there last night. And yeah, they'll corner you. And the thing is, they have been on buildings, okay, watching us each and every day. So you cannot tell me that you didn't know what happened, you know, that day. And so, and there were, you know, other theories about where he got the gun and apparently some theories about him having money but that's neither here nor there you know it's just sad because when when it it, 
when an aspect of that, when something like that, of that magnitude, that act happens, especially to a community that has been like already downtrodden, beat upon, we've been striving out here forever just to like have the right to be out here. When that happened, and the lack of empathy shown by LMPD that day was mm-hmm. horrible. The lack of any kind of emotion. You, you saw people out there laughing. Yeah. Cops out there, Cops riot police, laughing. laughing. Like, this is a normal day. Like, this is every day, and it is all right. This is happy. Like, they can make jokes about this. It was horrible to watch. It was the most, like, disheartening thing to see completely. Because the, the problem was, it was, it was literally a white man that killed another white man. Right. And every black person was so hurt about it. Um, Everybody that's been down there was so hurt about it. I literally had to stop one of my friend's fathers from like going from going up into the courthouse because he was so upset at the at the at the incompetence by the police department to to stop something like that happening in their own backyard. And mind you, the homeless man that did this committed this act had been kicked out by um, people protesting by security multiple times. And if I'm not mistaken, they asked for him, like, you know, um, not to come back and things like that. Were, you know, they, it, it, it was ridiculous. And like TJ said, I mean, we've been out there for 41 days and all of us have really faced imminent danger because they have been guns pointed in our faces. We have been tear gassed. We have been shot with rubber bullets. They have been ran over. Oh yeah, ran over. Oh my God, we were surrounded and when we went that night, we went to the mayor's house. Shout out to Gabby because it was a mess. But... She saved me on that one. Yeah, for real. And so... You know, we face them. So it's almost like we become like a family, pretty much. And so, they, like TJ said, there were people out there. We, you know, they didn't care. He was white. I mean, he was out there fighting for the same thing we're fighting for, and they were distraught. And like you said, there were police officers laughing. We standing there in the rain after this situation. After we just saw somebody get murdered, and you're laughing that his body, his body's still in the street. Still in the street. Still on the street. The coroner didn't get there till I thought I heard eight o'clock, something like that. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And then his father, I will say this, I pray for his father because his father had so much more strength than I feel like I would have ever had in my entire life because we had a vigil for him and his father came and spoke and came and told us to keep doing what we were doing, that his son died for something amazing and that he was proud of him. I could, I I don't know that I would have been able to go there, let alone speak and compose myself, you know. Um, It's just, I don't think, I, what makes me upset is that people see the posts on Instagram and they see the, they see the Blackout Tuesday pictures and, you know, um, they see the posts on Twitter and I don't think people really realize that these are people's lives. You know, this is real life for us. This is reality for us. This is not just a hashtag for us. This is not, it could really be anybody. Look at Ahmed's situation. I went running this morning, okay? And over COVID, because I didn't have a gym, I went running every single day. 
And I will never forget the look on my mom's face the day she learned about, I had learned about the Ahmed thing maybe two days before her because of Twitter. But she, my mom, don't have Twitter. So she watched the news and finally saw it. I will never forget the look on her face when I told her. I had been running every single day and I told her every day, mom, I'm getting ready to go running. She looked just absolutely just distraught the day I that she learned about it and I said I was gonna go running. And then when I ran past the house, I could see her in the window looking and making sure I was okay. You know, why should we have to go through that? You know, why should I, even today, like I gotta look behind me, I gotta look left and right and every which way to make sure nobody's watching me or following me while I'm going running. You know, why, why should we have to go through that? Why shouldn't we speak out against something like that? So any last thing you have to say, TJ? I think what I want people to know is this, the, what, what me and Jesse are doing right now, this isn't supposed to be like a woe is me thing. No. Nah. Like, uh, feel sorry for us. And I'm also not saying that if you're not down here in the trenches every day. Right. Because this is a lot. Yeah. It's not built for everybody. It's not. And I don't want everyone to think that if you're not down here protesting and if you're not down here risking your life, then you are not making change. Everyone can help in their own way. But I'm telling you, if you are not helping, if you are in the way, you are on the wrong side of history. Right. And I don't care what you look at yourself now, eventually your children, it might even take your grandchildren, will look up and they will have to feel sad about who they are because their grandparents were refusing to help people in need. Right. At the end of the day, no matter who you are, this, like I said before, this is not just a black issue. This is, it uh, predominantly affects us. But this is in this is the entirety of this country's issue, right? So if you refuse to be a part of the solution, you are a part of the problem. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, because last thing I'll say is, um, so my mother, um, and she probably cussed me out for putting her age out here like this, but <laughs> but my mom was born in '58. Okay. So, and my mom was born and raised in Alabama. So, Tuscaloosa would be exact. And so, she spent, I think, her elementary school years, I think if I'm not mistaken, in a segregated school. Now, after that, you know, she, integration was, of course, legal, but it, you know, socially it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what it was. So she went to an all-black, you know, junior high school and a mostly black high school. And it was, I say mostly black because she's talked to me about busing and everything like that. Well, anyways, my mom saw things. And so she, growing up, she made sure that I knew my history and, um, I was well aware of black history and she did not, one of the things I thank her so much for is she did not let just the school curriculum stop 
her from teaching me about black history. I was going to know way more than just Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. And in fact, what she used to make me do, me and her used to go to Waffle House every Saturday morning. And I used to want to go out and play on Fridays and stuff like that. What she would make me do is she had this big book of, um, um, she had this big book of black leaders that sat on her coffee table. And I would have to pick one out every Friday after school and read about them. And so every Saturday morning when we went to Waffle House, she would ask me, okay, who did you read about yesterday? And I would have to tell her. And if I didn't tell, if I didn't remember or something like that, I'd get in trouble. And so I used to think, I remember reading about those people. And I used to think, what would I do if I was living back then? You know, how would I have reacted? What would I have done? And, you know, during that COVID situation, I came back and I looked up and we are living in very, very similar times. I'm not going to say the same because it's not the same um, because they were so, they were, they were, those times were way, way more dangerous. Um, but we are living in similar times. And so you have to ask yourself, like TJ just said, when your kids or your grandkids learn about this and what's going on in the history books, what are you going to be able to tell them? You know, um, like TJ said, you know, yeah. Because best believe, 2020 is going to be in the history books. Oh, my God. <laughs> 2020 <laughs> is definitely going to be in the history books. They're going to have a big chapter. Oh, they're going to be upset. I know my kids going to be mad as all get out because not only you got to learn about COVID and Trump, now you got to learn about this, too. Y'all going to be mad. But, you know, you got, you're going to have to ask, answer questions. What, what did you do? And they're going to ask you. They are going to, and trust and believe, they are going to ask because that's one of the first questions I ask, you know, to my mama. And so think about that while you sitting at home and, you know, I mean, because once again, like TJ said, being out on the front lines is not for everybody because it is so grueling. It is so taxing. And I mean, shoot. People have lives. People have jobs. Nobody expecting everybody to be out there every night. You know, no. But there are countless things that can be done. And so I just call on, I guess this is me calling on anybody who's listening. Something. Just research or look at something that you can do to help. And, 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 And put an effort and to trying to help for the betterment of our community, but also to the betterment of your own people. Honestly, well said, well said. So yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you, TJ, and I'll catch you guys next time.